He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Before a great keeper now. About to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a rat. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 76 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf podcast. I'm delighted to say I'm back, James Richardson here with Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey Barry. Hey James, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, some people were very kindly tweeting in to find out where I was, but uh, I'm back now, so I should be back for a good few weeks now and uh, yeah. we'll uh, keep going. But if uh, anybody does want to get in contact with us, um, our Twitter handle hasn't changed since I was last year, which is at podcastgts. Uh, and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. So Twitter at podcast GTS. And uh, I suppose there's only really one place to start this week, and that's the uh, the Open Championship. I'm only joking. There's, Let's talk about our games for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, there's only one reason you really came back on the show this week. It's not because of the Open Championship and how exciting that was there. You know, I think the real big deal this weekend was my three twos, and highlighted by my Eagle two on the par four second which was 154 yards. Now, if this had been the day before you did your little thing, it might have been celebrated, but there was quite... I kind well, of, we did celebrate it, in fairness. I, yeah, I couldn't even get excited about it because uh, the day before, on the Saturday competition, we played both days this weekend. We got to the seventh. It was just the two of us playing. The, the third guy who was on our line dropped off, uh, unfortunately. And uh, on to the 7th, it's a 156-yard par 3 downhill, water in play. The pin was front right, and you hit this beautiful draw of an 8-iron. And called it in the air and said, if that's the right club, it's going to be all over it. And uh, we heard a thud, a nice green hitting thud, like we guessed. Well, we didn't know what it was. Like, I, yeah. I, we, we couldn't see it come down, unfortunately, because we were playing early. We were off at half 7 in the morning, and... Uh, Whatever the way the sun, you know, we hit. I saw it off the club face, and I knew that it was online. It was was just off the right and was shaping back. And as you're saying, I I, I called it. I I hit an eight iron, and I had said in the in the air, you know, if if that's the if it's the right club, it's it's right on it. Oh, it looked real good the whole way. Like pro tracer, you know, the first two thirds of the pro tracer we could see with our own eyes looked great, and after that we lost sight of it because of the sun and the shine of the green. But we heard a thud, yeah. and the thud usually, you know, means that it's come up short on the bank, which yeah. tends to be hard and, and, and kind of rolls back into the water. At which point I said, I can't see it, yeah. but there was an almighty thud, but it must be down there. Yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't expect it to be in the water, but anyway, you'd proceed, and if you can't find it down there, you just, you know, whatever, you deal with it. So we, took, we went and we walked our merry way down to the green. All 156 yards, and <laughs> each step getting more nervous. <laughs> the the only thing the only thing I thought was maybe the flag is obscuring the ball at the back of the green. We took a few more steps down, and then the part of the green that was obscured by the flag wasn't anymore. We got a little bit closer to the green, and I noticed. I said, James, there's a pretty fresh looking pitch mark just a couple of foot short of the pin. Uh, upon you know, after which you started kind of grinning like a. Well, I I, I, I said to you, hour. I did say to you, if this is in the hole. I'm going to, and I won't use the expletive language, but I said, go if, if, this is, yeah, <laughs> if this is in the hole, I'm going to go effing crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we still couldn't see it. No. But, but, you know, I think everybody's had that moment of, they want to they wanna hope that it's in the hole. They're, they're hoping it is in the hole. But you don't want to make that first walk past the hole and then go, oh, it was, it was, <laughs> it's actually over the back in the bunker. Oh, we've all um, done it. Like. <laughs> you know, so... So we we both did, in fairness, when we saw that the pitch mark was, what was it, two, three foot from the hole? Um, it kind of had to be in there. You know, right? yeah, yeah, it's about two, it's... two and a half foot at most. So thankfully, yes, it was in the hole. And James uh, turned around and jumped at me and pretty much landed on my shoulders. <laughs> well, I look, here, here's, here's the thing. And, you know, for 25 years I've been playing golf, and in fact it was an interesting weekend to get a hole-in-one because... It was 25 years ago, and I know people who have listened to this podcast before have heard me say, I started playing golf after the 1990 Open Championship in St. Andrews when Nick Faldo won it. Mm. I watched it for four days. I'd never played golf before in my life. My family didn't play golf. My parents didn't play golf. There was no connection to golf. 
saw Nick Faldo win 25 years ago and went absolutely apeshit for this game, at which point I turned around and just fell in love with it. So it was somewhat ironic that 25 years of trying, it's never been that close. I've had shots where they've kind of ended up three, two, three foot from the hole, mm. you know, but never been well that close. Yeah. yeah. No, and even, even like, you know, on Sunday when you hit the, uh, you know, the, the, the Eagle two on, on the par four second in Glen of the Downs, I don't think I've ever had that either. I've never mm. held out from that kind of far. So to do it, you know, there's a million things going through my head on the way down. You know, do I do the Jimenez kind of, you know, I'm so smooth, I totally accepted that this was going to happen. Or after 25 years of hoping and praying that I would eventually join this elite club, I didn't know what to do. So I think I just <laughs> I just jumped on you. You did. Your vertical leap was about four and a half foot, I'd say. <laughs> but it was, I was going to be kind of, like you said, with the Nick Faldo. Nick Faldo, which you'll get on to later in the Open, was probably his last Open Championship. So kind of a... Interesting weekend, like one one thing ends, another one, you know, yeah. part of your career, golfing career is fulfilled. And to be fair, you have always spoken about wanting a hole in one. Like my dad had one there a few months back, and you're like, geez, I really want a hole in one. And you know, so I guess every golfer does, you know. Well, I think there's a few things that people set down. Mm. You know, if if you sit down in January of each year and you say, what do I want to achieve in golf this year? You know, usually the first thing is always on the list is a hole in one. Mm. You know, then you want to, you know, you want to knock two shots off your handicap. You want to win a medal. You want to win, you know, your club championship. You want to win whatever it is. Yeah. But the hole in one is something that, and, yeah. and you know, a lot of people, and it was up on Facebook, obviously, and, you know, I've been kind of living off it for the last week and probably will for the rest of the year, if not all of next year as well. Right. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying to me, and guys I've played with in the past have, have phoned me and said, you know, it's it's unbelievable I've always wanted one. And these are guys who are playing off five, six, seven handicaps mm. who have never had one. Mm-hmm. And I suppose what I'd like to think is that it wasn't also a fluke. I played it exactly as it ha- happened. It oh, came it off a, the club face perfectly. It was a beautiful shot. Like, cause we were into the wind. The wind was into and off the right a little bit. And you just, you hit a, a nice tight draw into the, and it was a front right pin. So like you were really going after it. Like it was a, it was a beautiful shot and, uh, yeah, well deserved. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose I, I, I sent a... And you scooped half the, half the twos, which is <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit funny, because I had two twos that day, which would usually get you a nice chunk of money out of the pot, but uh, you, you took half the pot, which is uh, which is good good for your account and yeah, your absolutely. golf ball restoration. And, and and the nice thing was, I suppose, I had been at a lesson. Um, again, as most people know, I, I kind of got to a point two and a bit years ago where I decided that I was going to relinquish all my preconceived notions of how I play golf and go to a guy... Mark Amani up in, in Titleist fitting out of uh, uh, the GOI centre in Carton and just said to him, start from scratch, let's go back to basics. And over the last two years, we've, we've fundamentally changed how mm. I play golf and I've gone from 17 down to 13 with you know uh, an expectation I would like to think of, of moving even further down. But I had a lesson on Thursday with him mm. and we just changed a couple of things to just get that draw. It was never a draw or a ball. And it's what we've been working on. So it's even sweeter to have gotten it with a draw, which is just not. But, in you know, let, let's move away from the hole-in-one for a second. Well, there you go, folks. Top tip for the week. You want to get your golf game sorted. Go to find somebody who you can, you know, go find a pro who, when they talk, you understand that it makes sense to you. So find the right pro to match your game and, you know, make it happen. Get your, you know, that's the best way to get your golf to a higher, a better level. And I think you have to invest in it. Like, yeah. I, I, I decided balls yeah, on the like, range as well recently. Yeah, not just that, but like I, two years ago, you have to start somewhere by saying, if I'm a 15 handicap, an 18 handicap, a 25 handicap, and you're not significantly changing, go to a pro. And mm-hmm. what I said to Mark when I first met him and we, we had kind of struck up a, a friendship, and I said, look, I don't want a guy that I come to once every year just to check the fundamentals or if I feel I need a bit of advice. I want a coach. Mm. And I think that's the difference. It's it's great to have a PGA guy who you can go to for a lesson every so often. But in fact, don't go and buy the new driver or the new set of irons. Use what you have. Get the lessons. Have a coach who will learn your game. And the great thing is, now Marcus played with us down in Carn and he knows my game inside out. Mm-hmm. And I can send him a message and a text or a phone call and say to him, look, you know, I didn't play well at the weekend. And he can say, look, come up and we'll have a look at it. 
you know, we'll take five minutes, hit a few balls, and I'll just walk past you and I can mm-hmm. point by what's going on. And that's, I think, the fundamental. I hope this isn't the first hole in one I'm talking about because I think my game is now at a point where I can start looking at hitting shots at pins and getting it closer rather than there's a big green, I just want to get it on. And, you know, so a lot goes to, to Mark as well because uh, I think without him. But we've both been playing very well lately. Um, mm-hmm. We've been hitting the, maybe I, not scoring particularly great. Um, it was, I was talking to Bobby just there earlier on Viber, and he said, "How am I playing?" And I just, honestly, I'm, 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 I've never hit the ball better. I'm hitting it out of the middle so much more, getting nice kind of divots, hitting the ball first. The irons are flying great. And he said, "Well, what's the weather like?" And I said, "It's quite windy." And I said, "I'm actually hitting the ball that well. But I don't even notice the wind." You know, because, you know, they say a well-struck shot doesn't notice wind. And the thing is, my, my bad swings are catastrophic at the moment and are leading to doubles and triples. So I just need to tighten them up. I'm actually going to get in touch with Mark. I'm going to get a lesson now in the next week and just tighten things in because I know I'm doing things right. Actually, watching him play in Karn and watching you, what you've been doing with your pre-shot routine, I've now really solidified my pre-shot routine. And that, that I think, has helped me an awful lot in the last four or five rounds. Um just make, it makes it consistent. I mean, I, I do that in bowling anyway. I play tempo in bowling. So I've always had a really solid pre-shot routine. You do the same thing every time and generally it gives you better results. So um, I don't know why it's taken me so long to really lock one down in golf. But anyway, I've got there in the end and it's helping a lot. So hopefully, not to quote Tiger Woods, but you know, if you, if you keep, you know, if you, if you feel like you're playing really well, eventually the scores will come, you know. So uh, hopefully we get there faster than Tiger because he's been messing yeah, around for a while Yeah, we'll now. talk about him in a minute. No, but I think you're right, and I think the people who listen, and I know people are tuning in this week to talk about, listen to about what we think about the Open and things, but I do think that it's it's worth spending a couple of minutes where we're talking about, because I think a lot of listeners can probably, you know, be listening to this going, do you know what, yeah, they're, they're making a lot of sense, you know, I I've experienced so. that, and, and, and it, it, you know, I just think that you got to enjoy it, and certainly from, from watching your game over the last couple of weeks, your big mistake is being, you know, where you've hit a bad shot, you've ended up in the long stuff and you're hacking out. And or a lost the ball, which yeah. is a two-shotter, you know, so it's cruel. And, and that, that, that's the problem. And, and we were saying it the other day, just making sure one point goes on the card on every yeah, hole. Like, a yeah, yeah. couple of times where you, you just, you miss that or you're trying to fight to get back the two points when, in fact, you should say, do you know what, let's knock it 100 yards down the fairway. Let's try and get up and down. If I don't, mm-hmm. I still get a point we move on to the next one. I think we're both guilty of sometimes going, let's try the miracle shot yeah, to try and yeah. keep getting pars and bogeys. But, but friends, we've had a few good instances in the last couple of rounds where if we've made mistakes, we've actually talked about them to each other afterwards and, and said, well, or we've talked it out and said, okay, well, in actual fact, well, I did make a mistake there and I didn't think through all the options and uh, ramifications of what my club choice was and what my miss was there. And, you know, hopefully we're learning from the mistakes. You know, they, they say you learn from your mistakes and hopefully that that's, you know, more and more stuff coming into our games and eventually the scores will come. So. Yeah, and it's a confidence thing and golf is definitely a confidence thing and it's about, you know, I'm, I'm walking on air at the moment and yeah. I just want to keep playing and I trust the swing and I trust what I'm doing and it's hopefully, you know, my, my big fear at the moment is that uh, the next couple of weeks we have the first round of the captains in the middle of August and I'm not around for the week two of the captains. My fear is I'm going to be in that illustrious list of people who are in the last group on the second round. The allocated tea times. And then I, and then yeah. I can't play because I'll be flying away uh, for a holiday. But anyway, sure, look, let's talk about uh, Will, more actually, professionals. Quickly, Will is out actually at the moment. He's got a bit of an ankle issue. Even though on a really sore ankle, which he hobbled on for pretty much 18 holes on, was it Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, he ended up shooting. No, no, oh, sorry, uh, was Wednesday. last Wednesday. Yeah, he ended up shooting 37 points anyway and winning the competition. So uh, he's uh, he's he's going for an X-ray. So hopefully that gets sorted in the X-ray physio and he's back up and running. Cause he's, he's playing very very nice golf at the moment. And hopefully he doesn't become like Tiger and because of an injury then changes his whole game because he puts a lot of pressure on those ankles when he's playing. You I'm can sure see a lot of movement yeah. on it. So I'm sure there's something yeah. Tiger did that Will would like to do. Yeah, win a few majors, but uh, <laughs> some some things are more likely to happen than others. Look, let's let's go back to you know we'd like to think we're the professionals, but we're not. And um, the LPGA Tour last week was over in the Marathon Classic in Highland Meadows Golf Club in Ohio. And this was uh, Lydia Ko was defending. It's the 6,512-yard par 71. And it ended in a playoff uh, 
with a, now let me get this, Chilla Choi won the playoff victory um, on the first playoff hole to defeat her fellow South Korean, Yang Ha Now Na, on Sunday for her first. And James is back, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Barry. We're just going to move past it. Come on. Um, so Yang Ha Na uh, won her first US LPGA Tour title um, at the Marathon Classic. and uh, No, she didn't tell Choi won it. Sorry, you're right. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Choi won uh, after beating her fellow South Korean. You put me off. You see, this is the problem. Yeah, so it was a good defense by Lydia Cole. Like she finished one shot back on thirteen under, so it's a, a lot better than her previous performance in the U.S. Open. So maybe she's coming back into a little bit of form. Uh, the other event on last week was the Barbasol Championship, which was uh, re- like about as weak a field on the PGA Tour event as you're going to get. But understandable because the, the British you know, Open, I, the I, Open Championship was on. I didn't even realize. This was even on, okay. You know, which I think probably says it all. I, I'm, yeah. I'm amazed. Like this is basically a web.com competition on the on the PGA. Like, makes you no know, difference. Yeah. Like I can understand insofar as you know, if you're not in the Open Championship, it's better than a week off. But I know it was on Sky. I didn't see any of this, so I'm going to go by the fact that uh, uh, Scott Piercy won by three shots with a six under sixty five final round. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that barrier, or will we just move on? No, that kind of one sentence and the four shots I saw over the weekend pretty much cover it. Uh, yeah, let's let's get on to the, the main event, like the 144th Open Championship at the Old Course in St Andrews, which took place from Thursday through to Monday. For yeah, only the second time in Open Championship history. Well, look, let's start with the headlines first, and that is that Zach Johnson won after a four-hole playoff over Louis Ustase and, and Mark Leishman. Um, Leishman was basically out of it after the first hole. Um, yeah, he's two shots behind then. He's, he's really Yeah, in he's, he's bogeyed. The other two lads have, have birdied yeah. the, the first. So it was the first, the second, the 17th and the 18th. Which the lads in BBC really seem to have difficulty figuring out. Well, I, I have to say, I, I'm going to put my hands in the air right now. I had Louis Ustase in pre-tournament at 33s to 1. I didn't get to see the playoff. Mm. First hole on the playoff, I was actually uh, at the squash training. And I ended up checking the score on the phone mm. to see that they had gone to a playoff. I saw that the two lads had birdied it, thinking that Mark Leishman was now out of it. I and then it left and went straight to the TV, oh. only to find him still playing. And mm. um, I didn't realise it was a four-hole playoff. Yeah. Um, Did you not remember the Tom Watson Stuart Sink one from 2009, wasn't it? No, I, I don't know why I didn't didn't you know, car- correlate it. I, I kind of thought, great, that's Leishman out of it now. Yeah. This is a head-to-head. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of fancied Louis at that point to go on. But look, let's let's park the playoff for the moment. Mm-hmm. And let's go back all the way to, to kind of a few kind of bits of the, the week. Rory obviously not there. The, the the ruptured his ankle. He was playing St. Andrews, but that was on the PlayStation or the <laughs> Xbox, whatever uh, corporate sponsor he uh, he was uh, trying to plug this week on Facebook. Um, Probably with some Bose earphones on as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Which he was uh, throwing out on oh, Facebook. Oh, if I was getting paid that money from a sponsor, I'd do the exact same thing. So yeah, I think you, we all would. Like, I'm going to be whoring out my Hugo Boss uh, hole-in-one now watching a few weeks. Yeah, uh, that's Hugo big, Boss, by the way. Yeah, yeah you'll have a big hate on your forehead. You know? <laughs> exactly. But look, the great thing about this tournament, from just to start from the start, was it turned into... Jordan Spieth. It was about Jordan Spieth for the mm-hmm. whole week. It wasn't about Tiger Woods. It wasn't about Rory McIlroy. The whole week was leading up to could Jordan Spieth, this you know young phenomenal golfer, go three out of the four? And I suppose you know he was so very close. He was one off the playoff, bogeyed seventeen. 17, I think it was, on the last day to, missed, to miss missed it. Missed a very makeable putt. A putt that you'd expect Jordan Spieth to make. Well, Based on the last, you know, since last November. Well, here I wanted to ask you, right? He didn't put well on the 18th at the Masters. Didn't need to, in fairness. The tournament was won by that stage. But it was a poor putt that he had down the hill on the 18th at the mm. Masters. Clutch putting. Is it his one Achilles heel at the moment that, you know, when... Which sets him... And this is my thinking, Right. When it mattered most for Tiger, he made those putts. Not that it was necessary at the Masters, but it was needed at the Open. Mm. Is this what's going to set 
Jordan Speed? Is it the one little niggle that people have about Jordan Speed, whether or not at the clutch moment he can pull out something amazing? Well, like I think we're going to need to isolate, you know, clutch or split clutch into two categories because because on the sixteenth he made a fifty footer for birdie on a really tricky green to give himself the chance to get to that. So he's 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 really good in those situations to give himself the opportunity. And yeah, when he's had a couple of those, in 17th he knew he needed to make it because he then had the opportunity, had it in his grasp to get into that. So I think that's a, a different level of clutch. It was like the final clutch put that he needed. I mean, like the one on 18, to get it that close out of the Valley of Sin was phenomenal. Uh, I, st- I Look, I think what he did was just amazing. He had a four put on the eighth, the par three. He de-greened it with his first put. And... Anytime this year he see he's kind of gone and had a, a brain fart or a, men, or a bad score, it just seems to motivate him even more. He just seems to put the head down and just grind even harder. And he bounced back with two birdies straight away. And, you know, like he considering had a, how difficult though, that final stretch of six holes were from 13 through to 18, he actually, you know, he played them a level par. And that's probably as good as most people who played them in the, the later groups that day uh, actually did play them. So... I, I think I'm being unfair to George. A little bit. No, and I, and I, I know I, I am. I, I know thing, I'm being the unfair. The other thing I want to say is, but are, I, I, are we condensing all of Tiger's good stuff and we, I'm forgetting the ones he missed? Because he definitely missed you know, those clutch situational puts. But are we only remembering the, the... Are we only looking through it in a narrow kind of field and remembering all the ones he did make and then forgetting all the ones he missed? Because he definitely missed ones. No, no, I, I, I think... Because Jordan Spieth is such a special player, mm, and, and, and for what he has achieved this year, and what we all expect from him now, you know, and what I think is so great about Jordan Spieth is that we genuinely now have, in my view, a wide open rivalry mm. between Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, and a few other guys like Jason Day, Justin Rose, guys who are you know, really there, thereabouts in every major tournament at the moment. Yeah. And that's not even mentioning some of the guys that we did, you know, that that go nearly without mentioning the likes of Adam Scott back again at another major. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what it takes to get his caddy's wife to allow him back on tour. But if I was Adam Scott, I would be upping the, uh, dare I say, Peter Alice moment and buy her a new kitchen if necessary. <laughs> because... He has come good. Now, I know he's back in the old putter, but we now genuinely have what I think is a very exciting rivalry between four or five players for every tournament. Back like we had with Tiger, David Duval, Phil Nicholson, you know, mm. uh, Ernie Els, guys who, this that generation that had the ability to I go think, out. I think this and, group's even bigger than that. You know, than that's, that was a group of five back then. I think... The group of guys in great. Like looking at the fields this week to try identify, or last week to try identify a winner, I could have I could have made a case for 30, 40 guys, no problem. Now, maybe that's a combination of the course, maybe that's a combination of form, the open. Ch- I, I mean, it, it just I, I could have easily made a case for thirty or forty guys, and I think that was a lot of people found that a difficult one to pin down. Now, look in hindsight, yeah, you look you look back, Zach Johnson, you know, great wedge player. And um, Bobby made this point actually that the lads up the top were all good wedge players. Who stays in speed? Johnson and Zach Johnson finished tied third the week before in the John Deere. It's been showing form. His open form hadn't been great, but why wouldn't you put him in your team when he's you know he's hitting the ball that well and scoring well? In hindsight, yeah, we should have, but you know not an awful lot of people did. Ustazen, I think you know there's always doubts over his fitness, but then again he, he came good. But I, I think the thing about Ustazen, and I backed uh, Louis and I backed Jason Day. 33 pre yeah, tournament. And the thing about uh, Louis that I had in my head was he loves this course. He won his major yeah. on it. it. It is a good course. And if you love that course, and it's a bit like when we go down to Karn, I just love Karn. And yeah. I play well at Karn. It's got to be worth a couple of shots around. And when I walk into the clubhouse in Karn, I, I swear to God, I, I grow about three inches in the place because it just, it, 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 it makes you feel so good. And I think that that's the thing about Louis Eustazen. It doesn't yeah. matter what he's done in the weeks before or the months before. When he turns up to St. Andrews, 
It's mm. got to fill you with the sense of not just history, but it's filling you with the sense of the fact that I won my... The last time this tournament was played here, yeah. I won it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's got to give you, you... You know, you've got to step up on the first tee feeling great about yourself. Of course, fives. I mean, he's there every year playing the Dunhill... The Alpha Dunhill Links as well. So he's huge amounts of experience playing this golf course. And and, and it's not like he doesn't score. He scores well when he plays that tournament on, you know, on the old course as well. Let's talk about a few others. Yes. Yeah. Jason Day. Jason Day, the nearly man of major golf at the yeah. moment. Um, he misses the birdie putt on 18 by, by just inches to get into the playoffs. Um, it was killing me that he didn't because I would have had two out of the four. I was I know, pr- yeah. pr- pretty pretty hopeful I would have come it did, through it on did, it. didn't look, even if, I know he left it short, but it looked like even if he had it at the right pace, it may have just missed on the left. Now, I don't know if they have like, you know like in cricket where they have the, where the ball would have got to, yeah. you know, with the LBW. So they don't quite have that in golf for putts that have come up short. I, I don't think that's what cost him. I think what cost him was that one of the commentators made a great point about his swing on the back nine. And it looked like his tempo had got a bit quick. And he did hit a few loose ones on the back nine. Now, in fairness to him, he recovered remarkably well because he did actually go bogey-free for the day on Sunday. Oh, sorry, Monday in the fourth round. So it was a very impressive round. But I think, is it just that he wants it too much? And that's it's just not going to make him sink a tiny bit. I mean, he's obviously he's so close. I mean, one shot. You know, so... It, it's definitely you'd there. Argue, you'd argue it, sh- it should happen for him, but uh, it may you can, not. You can make that argument about Sergio as well. I yes. just hate to see him in that category. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it was a really impressive performance, and um, I thought he spoke very well after it as well. It kind of endeared me to him a little bit more. He's kind of He was never my favourite golfer, but starting to like him a little bit more now. I suppose I suppose if you're going to be highly critical, he went 66, 71, 67, 70. Jordan Spieth had a 69 on the final day. Louis had a 69. Mark Leishman had a 66. And Zach Johnson had a 66. Mm. you got to go low on Sunday. You know, maybe, and we'll talk, I'm going to move on to Justin, uh, 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 Justin Johnson now because perhaps you're the wind in the sails early on in the week. You need to be putting a couple of good rounds together at the beginning but really hitting the, the, the weekend yeah. and really finding your form. And maybe Jason Day just ran out a little bit. He had a really good first few days, really tough Friday, Saturday conditions. But to have a 70 on the final day when other guys are going four, mm. one below, four below, like that's that was the difference. And maybe, maybe he needs to, like I heard him say that he wasn't going to look at the leaderboard. Perhaps he may... Or should have had a little look at the leaderboard on the on to the back nine. Yeah, well, sometimes well, you just have to put the foot in the gas and go. Do you know what? It's here for me if I want it. What's it I take, gotta take the take chance. the risk. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look. In fairness to him, three of his four rounds, the first, the third, and his fourth round, he was bogey free. So you, you can't. Whatever he has to do to just make that final little step or the final little leap to a win, it's not that big a thing. I mean, he's he had three bogeys in his second round. He still, you know, he shoots one under. So. You know, he's not he's not a million miles away, not at all. So um, let's talk about a guy. Who, he's, he's great to watch. I do. Yeah, like, no, I, I, and, he, and he, he'll off. get he'll definitely get there. There's no doubt about it. Either that, or he's going to be you know the greatest player ever to win a major in a in a, a illustrious career along with uh, Con- don't, Montgomery don't take that and uh, Sergio <laughs> Sergio Garcia. But um, I want to talk, I suppose, about Park Harrington for the moment. Um, a fabulous couple of rounds. You know, he he had a superb sixty-five on Sunday, which would have been the Saturday. Really didn't didn't get there. You know, another week where one bad round has just killed him again. Yeah, and he started so well on the Sunday as well. He got to thirteen under at one stage. He was going he was motoring, great. and then he the was, wheels yeah, came he, apart. He uh, blocked one right into the gorse on the sixth and made a double bogey, and that kind of just derailed him, and then. You know, made another bogey on eight, bang, you know, had a birdie on 11, but he's kind of out of it at that stage. And then uh, then it kind of, the wheels really came off in the difficult finishing stretcher and bogey, bogey, birdie, double bogey, bogey to finish. And, well, well, that I, was kind of... I'm going to be quite controversial here. I reckon that with the way Porter Harrington played at the weekend, he has more chance of adding to his majors than Tiger Woods does at this point. Die. Right now, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I, I disagree I, like, with that. You, you looked at him and I just thought the way he's been playing the last... This season, mm. the way he's come back, this has got to give him confidence. A guy who has played golf shots 
off balconies, off decks, off, I think Jesus's lap himself, uh, Phil Mickelson couldn't quite pull out a miracle shot um, from the hotel balcony on 17 mm. on the last day. Um, though he, he did seem to indicate that if he could have got there, he might have had a look at it. Um, Nothing would shock me with Phil. <laughs> like, at just the moment, you know, he's he's about to post, I think, about minus 13, there or thereabouts. I know 17 is a very tough hole, but for a player of Phil's ability, he must know, pirate, birdie the last put a decent score oh, he was going for see, a, right? he was going for a birdie birdie finish he knew he needed it and that's why he's probably trying to hit a power draw to get maximum distance mm. down that right side of the fairway to give himself the best angle in and you could ask Phil he's probably going to say well like, I don't I don't regret it I had to go for it you know he do you blame him for risk. it not at all no he had, to, he had to go birdie birdie to finish which would have put him what five shots better would have posted 12 under if he had gone birdie birdie finish which ultimately would have been three shots short but it would have been a very good total to, you know, early on in the day, you just never know in the British Open what's going to happen with the weather in the afternoon. We also well, I suppose the thing is, win. at least you look at somebody like Phil, who was obviously looking at leaderboards and realizing, and maybe it's something Jason Day needs yeah. to look at that sometimes you have to, you either swing or you, you sink or swim, mm-hmm. and you know, Phil kind of put it all out there. It was nice to see him play so well, though. I thought, you know, it's 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 a guy over forty, as uh, Bob might say, would never win a major, but you know, it would have been great to have seen him come through it in um, fairness to Bob that's that's his rule for the majors in the, the US oh okay well, the, sure. the Open Championship is the exception to the rule Let, let's talk about uh, and I suppose this is really an all encompassing question and it's how well the amateurs played um, ridiculous I think there was four if not five in the top 20 um, let's start very locally mm-hmm. um, Paul Dunn uh, quality guy, uh, really good golfer. Qualified through as the leading qualifier to get in. We won his qualifying event. Yeah, um, that's two years in a row now. He's got through. Last year he just misses the play, uh, misses the, uh, the 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 cut by mm. a shot. And um, he's over in the University of Alabama. He's clearly a guy. Same university, I think, as Gray McDowell mm-hmm. went to. Very highly regarded over there. Mm. Paul Dunn has now said that he's not going to turn pro until after, I think, the Walker Cup in which, September. Which is only like six, seven weeks away. So I think that's a good call. I think it's a good call. A lot of debate out there, I think, as to whether or not, I think Graham McDowell is saying he should come and get four or five weeks of pro action to get on the European Tour. Obviously, to play in the Walker Cup is such an honour. Mm. He wants to do that. I, I don't think that you should criticise him. I also think you look at Justin Rose. He went from amateur straight into the professional world after his uh, outing at the, the, the British Open mm. a number of years ago. Missed, what, 70, 80, 100 cuts or something thereafter. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a lot... Maybe Justin is one of those exceptions to the rule that was able to come back mentally to do what he's done. Paul Dunn is a very special player, but it makes an incredible story that he goes off as the leading player in the last group at the British Open, or sorry, the Open Championship, mm. has a has a very tough start. Yeah, to outright lead on the in the third round. So I mean, how many players can? How many people in the world can say I led the Open Championship? And at twenty, was he twenty two years old? He's actually a uh, old, older, older than Jordan Spieth. So, but, but but he hasn't quite got that experience that Spieth had you know, of the pro game or at that level. So. But he's the guy can get he can get, if he can get to that point then it's just about learning to maintain that point. And I was talking to somebody at the the tournament there today in work. I was just saying he he got he got more experience out of the Open Championship than some you know young guys could get in an entire year on tour. Oh, absolutely. And and, and know, the thing is, like great. he's jumped two hundred and nineteen or two hundred and seventeen places in the world rankings, and you know he, he's clearly got a lot of. And, and the exposure that he's got is going to get him entries into tournaments yeah. by sponsorships and all the rest. That's but the only case you can make for him going pro now is just to capitalise on the immediacy of how his popularity and fa- you know, his fame right now. Well, that's the theory that Graham McDowell is saying. Yeah. You know that if if you were to turn now, get your sponsorship. You, you're gonna you're gonna now, get yeah. your t- tour card is guaranteed for next year. Mm. You could get in effect five or six tournaments pre. Yeah the end of this season to be able to know what it is see what it's like but you can't criticise him no. he's decided what he's going to do but 
I want to talk about the fact that Paul Dunn does what he does, and yet he still doesn't win the silver trophy, uh, the silver medal. No, um, you can't. You can't shoot seventy-eight on the final day when the course is given up reasonably okay scores. You know, the front nine was very easy for those guys. The front twelve holes were actually quite easy for them. So you just can't go shooting seventy-eight um, at that level of golf and expect to go. You know, to expect to stay up the leaderboard. Yeah, I, I think. I think the only thing is that you got to temper that with the fact that. He's going off. Yeah. He's the last guy going off. Yeah, yeah. He has in his head a weight of history. Mm. I wouldn't say that he got two minutes sleep that night. No. Um, everybody's talking about it. Everyone's like, you know, people are jumping on him. Just even the crowd, you know, and we all know what happened, I think, on the second when he went far off to the right onto the other you got to wonder if he was not lucky enough, but if he had managed to execute a good wedge shot on the first and actually cleared the, the burn and got it on the green... And even two put it for par, would that have settled him a little bit better? I'd, I'd say I think he, it would. I'd like, you have to. Quite scrambled after coming up that short, you know? Yeah, like, it, it wasn't even a good strike. It no. was, it was, seemingly, it was about three yards behind. But had the he ball, got off to so a better like, start? I mean, look, butterfly flaps his wings, chaos theory, you know, different timelines and such. It, look, it was great performance, and we had, we had a load of fun with it. And, and Ireland got very excited because we had Harrington up there and himself up there going into the final round of the Open and it was great well look the great thing from, from our perspective and looking at it again very locally and sorry if you're if you're from any other part of the world and not from Ireland listen to the podcast this week but Paul Dunn Shane Lowry Paul Carrington Roy McElroy, Graham McDowell Darren Clark played all right this, like there's still a hell of a lot of great golfers coming out of this island mm-hmm. and there's more that's just behind all of them so it's, it's great for, for the game here very the other amateurs we must give a mention Ashley Chester's from England had a very good final two rounds 67-69 to finish at 9 under Oli Snyderjans I think that's the correct pronunciation I hope uh, went 70-72 70-67 to also finish 9 under but the winning the leading amateur and winner of the silver medal was Jordan Lee Bruggy who went 67-73, 67-70 to post 11 under. And to finish four shots outside the playoff is a stunning performance. Um, very good. I think he's one of the... Himself and Snyder Jans are two of the top amateurs in the world. Yeah, and, and, I, I, they, and sh- it, they showed why. And I think when you when you start looking at the players who were above him, Garcia, Rose, Willett, Spieth, Day, Usays and Leishman, Johnson. Household names. That's a pretty... Yeah, uh, that's, yeah ones I can say. Uh, you know that's that's a pretty impressive, and even the guys behind him, you know, the likes of Adam Scott, Todd, Donald, Keimer. Let's know. talk about Adam Scott now, just for a minute, because he put himself in a great position to, to either win it outright or even just get into that playoff. He dropped five shots in his last five holes to miss the playoff by five shots. What the hell? That's two opens in a row. That's two opens now. That Adam Scott has had a catastrophic end to his final round, and not quite as dramatic as the when Ernie Els, you know, pipped him at the post and won. But he's got to be going. What did I do wrong there? Yeah, like, like, that's that's a big whoopsie. Bo- bogey fourteenth, bogey fifteen, part sixteen, bogey seventeen, and double bogey at eighteen. Yeah, um, to double bogey eighteen is inexcusable. Like, but look, yeah. That's that's bad for Scott, but it's still, you, like you said, with Steve Williams in the bag, it's been immensely promising signs for him the last few weeks. We've always said it. We, we'll say right through to, to January, I'd say, the big problem is he's comfortable when he's on the putter yeah. with the long handle. When he comes off it, we'll have to wait and see. I think when that, like, like I've said before, when that option is removed from him about the putter and he has to go to a non-anchored stroke, then... He'll be able to get, move on, you know, take, you know, move on to the next phase of his career. Uh, until then, he'll, he'll be a little bit in limbo. The very last, I suppose, to, to wrap up a couple of other bits. Um, I have to say, I thought it was great to see David Duval back. Loved I it. I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you know, a guy Where did he who finished in the end actually. Yeah, finished tied forty ninth at four under, uh, 72-62-67-73, um, which uh, was was joint with Dustin Johnson. Uh, who had a 65, 69, 75, 75, really bad weekend um, for for Dustin. But um, I just thought it was great to see David Duval back. It just yeah. such a such a great. And what I love about this championship is it always throws up a couple of those stories. You know, mm. a few years ago, obviously, you know, we had Watson. We've you know 
Sandy Lyle played well this week. There was so many really good stories, but let's talk about a few that were retiring and that we won't ever see. Mm-hmm. Certainly not back at any of the Opens, though we're not 100% sure. And you said, why was I back here this week to talk about my hole-in-one? It's not. It's to lather over the fact that Nick Faldo made the final walk over the famous bridge on the 18th. He had an atrocious first day. I think he was 11 over. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a guy, though, to be fair, I think he plays one tournament a week, which is, uh, or a one year. tournament a yeah. year, which is the Open Championship. He, I thought there was a few things I loved, and I'm going to gush about him for a minute, and then you can you can throw your two cents I'll, in. I'll just sit down, you go for it. I thought, firstly, I thought it was great that he wore the old jumpers over the course he wore the, uh, the 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 Bringle jumper on I think one of the practice rounds the real mm. 1980s one to go over the bridge and just have all of that paraphernalia going on all the lights everything have have his friends on the back to pull out the jumper that he was wearing the yellow jumper I thought was a, a great idea yeah, great cool. he's warmed I think a lot of people have warmed to him over the years since he started commentating got off the course off that steely mm. kind of English, I'm here to win, don't talk to me kind of attitude. The one thing I felt sorry about was when I saw that reaction to Tom Watson, who did not have the same crowd and did not have the same amount of people because of the fact that he was coming down, I think, at about half nine. Mm. A lot of people had left. It was freezing cold. Half the players were wearing snoods and gloves and mitts and all the rest. Nick Faldo says it's probably the very last time he's going to play an Open Championship. He came back, he, I think he had a level par on, on day two. with One under, fairly, one under with yeah. a serious uh, gash on his arm and his hand, which uh, required quite a lot of stitchings. And I think uh, somebody said to me on Saturday in Glen of the Downs that it, it required something like 13 bandages to try and just get it to a point where he could hold a club. So um, fairly nasty, but... If it's the last time that we see Nick Faldo at, a, at an Open, you know, what better way to go out than... The old course, yeah. And to shoot under par as well to finish off, it's pretty cool. And I, I, liked, I, th- I thought the old jumpers were really slick. That's a great idea. And it's, he has developed a great sense of humour over the last few years by doing the commentating. I, re- I, I could listen to him all night uh, when the PGA Tour is on the commentary. Well, I made, commentary. I made the point to uh, Rob, who's... Uh, one of the guys in the golf club in Glen of the Downs and I was saying to Rob that like the one thing that people forget about Nick Faldo is the likes of Nick Faldo and these guys back in the 70s and 80s they were revolutionising equipment in their backyard Mm -hmm. they were changing wedges from you know whatever they were being given they were bending them they were doing a lot of stuff in the backyard that then obviously filtered into the game that we're now looking at 60 degree wedges as things that Mm-hmm. you know are normal to us 20 30 years ago would have been you know unheard of i think it was great to see him play it was great to see him play all right over the the two days and he won't ever these guys don't get remembered for their last couple of rounds yeah. at the majors and he'll go down in my mind as a legend i can't quite as i say believe it's 25 years since he wore that jumper the first time it's also 25 years ago then that I made my parents buy me a Pringle jumper pretty similar to it, which probably is still at home somewhere if I went and looked in the wardrobe. Probably made you a lot of friends in school as well. Back yeah, then. well, uh, <laughs> there's stories I could tell, but I won't. Um, there was a lump in my throat, Barry, and I don't know if there was one in yours. I, I watched right to the end to see Tom Watson walk over the bridge, an absolute living legend. Um, I just think he is the epitome of class personified. Before he went out for the last round, he went up to Ivor Robinson, um, Robinson and gave a signed flag, I think it was, to thank him for all the years of service. You know, this is a guy mm. who's about to play his last Open Championship. And he's not thinking about himself. And he's not thinking about himself. He wanted, there was making sure that he got the photo with all the players and the caddies on the last bridge to make sure that they had a memento of it. He's just an absolute top quality guy. And I just... There was a part of me, and I don't know if anybody else said this, do uh, tweet tweet into us at Podcast GTS whether or not you agree. I had a lump in my throat when I saw him walk over that bridge for the last time because he's just an absolute legend of the game. And to think that he won't be at a, a, an Open Championship again is actually kind of sad. Mm. Um, well, 
my my top opinion on Tom Watson was would would have been very close to that before the whole Ryder Cup thing. I it kind of it's tarnished my opinion of him a little bit and you hear I've heard little bits and scraps and pieces about that he's not quite that guy behind closed doors and I don't know it's hard it's a tricky one but yeah look definitely a legend of the game is retiring from playing the Open Championship and you know I guess in, in I know in time I'll forget about all the stupid Ryder Cup stuff and the little thing, tidbits you hear you hear about here and there and you only remember his, you know, amazing career, all his major victories, his almost win against probably the most unpopular Open champion of all time, Stuart Sink. Uh, I even think Stuart Sink probably hates himself for beating Tom Watson in that playoff. Every time I see that, I just ask him, please don't hit the chip so hard. Yeah, please don't hit I that know. chip so hard. You don't You don't have to go for it from the fairway, Tom. Don't go for it. Just middle of the green. That's all you need. Yeah, if then, only yeah, we could I, go back. And then hit the putt better. You know, the putt he had to win. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, no, look, it's, it's... I actually missed a live show. I only got to see bits after so I was unfortunately working. But um, an unusual, yeah, nice time farewell. Yeah, just I felt sorry. Like it's chalk and cheese. To Faldo had the full galleries, mm. had everybody behind on the 18th, all the way along the road hole. It just it nearly deserved a bit more for Tom. You know, thankfully people did stay around. On to Ivor Robson. I like this. This guy has to probably be one of the most impersonated guys in the game of golf. Like this is match twenty three. <laughs> find me a golfer who hasn't tried to impersonate Ivor Robson's voice when their friends are about to tee off in the, you know in a fun game or whatever. We've oh, all I, done it. I, I do it in my head every time I play golf. You know, I just I'm playing with Nick Faldo though. That's the only thing. <laughs> I thought I, I mean, they the BBC actually went and counted up all the the amount of golfers he's announced onto the tee over his forty one years, and it came the final total came to eighteen thousand nine hundred ninety eight announcements of golfers onto the tee which is just wow i think i was watching the interview with them at the end uh when he had kind of finished it off and they yeah. kind of said to him oh, obviously you know if uh if if it doesn't go to a playoff that's the last group that you're going to ever announce onto the tee and he said oh yeah 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 and they said uh, so is it true that you know you used to not drink you know for hours beforehand and he goes oh yeah i couldn't you know i'm standing here from seven in the morning through yeah. to like two in the afternoon three in the afternoon I can't leave to go to the toilet. <laughs> I'm standing there t- calling everybody onto the team. He said he fasted from seven the night before. So yeah, it's so a so full yeah. dedication to the no toilet thing. But in fairness, another quality guy. Like I, I, in that interview, he talked about the fact that it's been an absolute honor for for what yeah. thirty five years or whatever, forty one years to do this job. Like you know, he was a bit like Peter Alice, who is in a <clears throat> bit of bother this week about his uh, comment about um, which one. There well, were, there were numerous ones. His, his main one that he's currently in trouble in England about at the moment is the comment that, uh, and uh, if Zach Johnson makes this, the wife will get a new kitchen, I'm sure, to which a uh, few female groups have gone, have gone ballistic, saying that it's totally sexist. The fact that Peter Alice basically is sexist from Thursday through to Sunday every year uh, is uh, another thing. And I suppose we should also mention, I think that's his last Open himself. Isn't he might it, not come back next year. But It may or may not. He's got one, there's one more year at the BBC. And yeah, look, it's, I actually enjoy, he, to me, I, I said this to somebody there, to me he's like the David Attenborough of golf. You know, what David Attenborough is to nature documentaries, Peter Alice is to golf. Might not always he does be, look at a lot of birds all right well. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but might not always be the most perfect thing said but the voice is just synonymous with it it's nice it's, it's almost like the music to the golf that you're watching you know it's i love listening to his voice the the comments are a bit wild they make you splutter they make you like you know spit your drink out or whatever but i don't know it's all it's all kind of part of it and you just you have to just take it with a pinch of salt well, the guy is he's in his 80s now isn't he yeah like, he's gonna I, say inappropriate things you just gotta well, he doesn't it. think them as inappropriate which no, is the other doesn't. bit um, but like everyone knows their grandparents or you know elderly people they do say inappropriate things you just go okay look get on with it you know i think the thing about uh, peter ellis that comment about the kitchen saying <laughs> the, the new kitchen it may have been wrong but i was watching it in the bar in the tennis club and there was pretty much just a horrendous amount of laughter yeah. straight after like 
uh, it might say more about my tennis club, but there was a lot of women in there who were also laughing. Like it's it. Exactly. I think people shouldn't take it quite so seriously. But no, no, not at all. And I thought some of the comments he made throughout the week just it just it was him in a nutshell. You know, you you have him in the cliff notes of Peter Allison. Um, it'll be sad. It'll be sad to not have him as part of it if if this is his last year. On the flip side, a little word about the BBC coverage. I I wasn't so uh, enamoured with it. I didn't think it was great overall. I thought there. There was, they were, you know, the, the TV direction was messy. The commentators didn't seem to be fully synced up at where the cameras were going to or who they were going to show next. You know, the commentators would, you know, ball would land on the green. I think one of the guys actually said, um, there is a shot landing on the green, uh, from someone, which is great because one, they don't know the green and two, they don't know the golfer. So it was a bit sloppy. They didn't use Pro Tracer anywhere near as much as they should have, especially on a court, you know, a Lynx course where it's really hard to track the ball on the TV screen with gray skies. Um, it was oh, th- these guys. You know, they're only doing a golf tournament once a year. The camera, the sports cameramen, they they're just not as sharp as the Sky guys are. The Sky guys are doing golf week in, week out, and they just they know how to get it onto t- they, the TV screens better. They had done a lot of what I would call um, throwing it up the gantry and uh, allowing high views across the uh, across the course. And um, I'm not sure actually. how many times they went. Uh, Peter Alice or the guys in the commentary went. Uh, is a uh, and I can't think of her name. Is it, um, what was the name of the, Hazel Irvine? No, the oh, uh, Maureen. O'Dell. Maureen, uh, yeah. Maureen, are you are you down there, Maureen? Uh, I'm not actually Peter. Uh, I'm actually I'm on a totally different hole than the one you're looking at right yeah. now. Uh, it was and I was kind of going with Father Ted or something. It's just right? a carry on golf movie. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. But look, I have to say, can can we just swing all the way back? Yeah, Zach Johnson, he's won it. He's added that to the green jacket. Um, deserved winner in the end? It doesn't matter if he deserves it or not. He's got the Clark jug and he's drinking out of it. And as, so is uh, so Jordan Speed yeah, on the plane now. There we go. Uh, yeah, look, he played very, very good golf. You know, he got... And, you know, his his run on Sunday was really, really good. And to shoot 66... I'm oh, sorry, not Sunday, Monday, force of habit. To shoot 66 in the final round of a major is... A great achievement. It was the joint best round of the final day, you know. And as as with Mark Leishman, you know, he probably you could argue he deserved it as well. He went, you know, he shot 64 to 66 in the weekend. You can argue Lugus Hazen deserved it, but you know, Zach Johnson stands above them all at the end of the day. And uh, fair play to him. You know, it was a it was a it was a cracking tournament. I I had I had the misfortune of working on Monday. I had two channels set to record, so I didn't miss it. Uh, fell asleep watching on Monday night. Woke up on Tuesday to watch it all again. And happy days. Enjoying, and thoroughly enjoying the drama. And I didn't know the result. And the guys hit their first tee shots of the playoff. And bang, the recording stopped. Whatever happened on the, the digital box, the uh, the programming switch and the, record, the automatic recording stopped. So I, uh, I didn't get to see the playoff. Uh, so that kind of sucked, and I got the well. You new, missed out. The news spoiled by the internet uh, when I was trying to find a, a, a well a torrent or something. Else. That will learn you. Yeah, don't work. Um, yeah, should have pulled a sickie. Anyway, look, I, I, it was it was a cracking final day. Um, I really enjoyed the tournament, and even though the guy shot quite a lot under on the old course, it still had when the wind blew, it was still an absolute brute. The final few holes on the way in, I, I think, it was a good test I think somewhere off. around seventy. Three out of the seventy-six players were all under par for this tournament. Uh, that made the cut. That, yeah, that made the cut. I thought it was a great tournament. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, hats off to Zach Johnson. Uh, congratulations. And I think it has to. To me, it was a year for the amateurs, and I think it will probably be remembered as the year for the amateurs. It may be slightly overlooked by Zach Johnson, yeah. but I think the amateurs really stole the show. I wonder and, whether uh, because the old course is one of the easiest ones on the open rota. It makes it easier for the amateurs to do well. If, if this was played at a, a much tougher place like a Muirfield, would the amateurs go anywhere near as good? I'm um, just curious about that. I'm going to allow this for 30 seconds. Uh, Gary Player gave an interview to BBC um, talking about how many push-ups he does. I'd love to see whether that's true or not. Um, yeah. But in any event, he claims that if he sat down with Tiger Woods for one hour, mm. he would completely change the whole of Tiger Woods' life, both on and off the course. Tiger Woods is having an absolute mare both on and off the course at the moment. Um, does he play his way through this? Does he get rid of Como? Does he go back? 
we we talk about this nearly at the end of every now I did tweet and I saw quite a few of our listeners retweeted that it was lovely to see Tiger Woods play a weekend at a major <laughs> yeah. albeit it was this, the end of his second round he cuts a very sad figure I think on the golf course when it's going wrong it's going really wrong so would Gary Player sort out Tiger the only way to find out is to actually get them together and see if that error well more more importantly do you think that this warrants to even con- contemplate or talk about or just simply he might you know what this is a tournament that we just forget about Tiger Woods he, does, he doesn't have a he doesn't have many tournaments left this year like he's not going to make the FedEx Cup playoffs the season's not very far from ending you know there's only one major left there's a he, few pro-ams in Ireland he could come to if he wants we said Greg, McDa- uh, Greg uh, the, the other guy uh, the Irish lad Damien McGrain keeps winning Irish pro-ams right left yeah, and yeah, centre so maybe Tiger should come over to we'll, that we'll send Tiger an email and see if he wants to join us for Local one, yeah. If he if he hears what we talk about when it comes to him, he's probably not going to take up that invite. I'm still a huge fan of his. Um, Maybe maybe you can be his caddy or something. Anyway, well, maybe um, how many more years till he gets on the senior tour? Because this week the senior Open Championship is uh, taking place in Sunningdale uh, on the old course in Berkshire, England. Uh, Bernard Langer is defending and. uh, Slightly shorter in terms of the uh, yardage, 6,618 yards, par 70. Um, the current runners and riders for this is Colin Montgomery, 5-1, to one, Bernard Langer, 11-2, to two, Mingal Engel Jimenez, 6-1, to one, Jeff Maggot, 18-1, to one, Freddie Couples, 22-1, to one, Tom Lehman, 22-1, to one, Lee Janssen, 25-1, to one, and uh, we kind of go out. Tom Watson, just in case people want, 40-1, to one, Mark Amir, 40-1. to one. Um, and kind of we kind of go out and out and out for there um, it'll be an interesting tournament I think it's live on the BBC this week oh is it I think okay, so, yeah. so the guys got their practice weekend last week at the, the real one yeah um, so it's actually put some good camera work into playing now for the seniors and be good hopefully um, I'd like to I'd like to see Jimenez uh, he's, he's not doing too badly on the seniors tour at the moment and um, but uh, it will be, it'll be we, a good one. We'll see what happens. You know, a few of the, a few of the golden oldies just uh, battling it out, link style, you know, using all their experience. So that could be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, the LPGA Tour is uh, taking place in uh, the Grand Rapids in Michigan. Uh, Lydia Co defends 6,512 yards, par 71. I would give you the odds, but I can't find them. So uh, I'm uh, sure Lydia Co is here. Inby Parks eleven to four. So Yun Ryu is eight to one. Amy Yang twelve to one. Lexi Thompson eighteen to one. As are Christy Kerr and Anna Nordqvist, and the rest of the field are twenty two to one and out. Right. Well, let's move to the European Tour, and the Omega European Masters is taking place in Switzerland. A little bit earlier in the in the calendar now than usual. Uh, six weeks earlier, I think. Is this it's the tournament that's played on the, the ski mountain. resort? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cr- in Cran Montana in Switzerland. Uh, Cran Sorcier Golf Club. I love this. This has got to be one of the most picturesque golf clubs in the whole world. Like, it's just phenomenal. You know, playing tee shots with these snow-capped mountains in the background. It's it's, uh, it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's it's picture, picture postcard-esque. Um, have you had a look at any of the... Um any of the odds Sergio I see is is leading it but I think that's probably more because he's the biggest name this is about as strong week. a field as this tournament has had they've increased the prize fund so like just a quick rundown of the, we have Sergio Garcia is 13-2 and we won't do all the odds but like the, here we go we've Bernd Fiesberger Danny Willis Tommy Fleetwood Patrick Reed, Jamie Donaldson Tong Chai Jai Westwood Doug Wieson uh, you have Max Kiefer Ross Fisher Richie Ramsey David Howe, you know, it's a, it's a reasonably strong European tour field with some, some big names up the top. So, uh, a couple, did a little bit of digging around on the uh, golf betting system website for a few of the key things to look out for this week for any guy, any golfers you want on board or any golfers you want, might want to back. It tends to kind of reward golfers who hit uh, many greens in regulation and, you know, couple that with some decent putting. I mean, you got to put well in any week on tour to actually, uh, to get a win. So, um, Keep an eye out for the guys who are good, good iron players and get the get the ball in the green an awful lot of the time. Are you gonna have a bet? I haven't picked one yet. No, I haven't. I haven't got. I haven't. My research hasn't gone deep enough yet. Uh, I know Tommy Fleetwood was the uh, top pick from the guys in golf betting system. Um, .co.uk. .co.uk. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. At Bamford Golf and at Golf Betting are their Twitter handles. Uh, the guys, the guys are cracking. If you 
didn't tune in last week um, for our show preview show Steve Bamford he will be back with us in a couple of weeks time for the USPGA preview show so uh, look forward to having Steve back on again with his ridiculous wealth of stats and hopefully we can pick the winner for that one uh, well, Zach Johnson caught us by surprise this time around well let's uh, well at 100 to 1 I think he caught everybody by surprise mm-hmm. but let's talk about the Canadian Open stateside uh, it's taking place in Oakville Ontario in Canada 7,253 yards part 72 uh, is this got nobody defending because my notes here Barry don't have anybody defending oh but, Barry failed uh, uh, but anyway that, we'll, uh, whoever is defending is defending uh, Jason Day is leading at eight to one. Jim Furyk, Bubba Watson, Matt Kuchar, Luke Donald, Brooks Cupcake, Cupcake James, uh, well, we, we Graham Delat, Hunter Mayhan, JB Holmes, Ryan Palmer, Scott Piercy, Graham McDowell, Charlie Hoffman, uh, Steve Stricker, and that's pretty much the top of it, going mm-hmm. from eight to one out to forty-five to one. I do have a pick in this one, uh, which is: Have you already put it on? Or should we all be getting in just to... I'll put it on, I'll put it on before I upload the episode. Uh, Brooks, Brooks Kepka is my pick this week. This is the kind of course. There'll be plenty of birdies on this uh, course. Um, he ha- he led greens in regulation at the Open last week now, which is... Uh, you got to take a little bit of a pinch of salt because the greens are enormous there. But he did hit quite a lot of them. And he finished in close to the top 10, if not tied 10th. T- so not or I'm not ordinarily one to go for golfers that short, but uh, he's playing well. And a 22 to one on Paddy Power, which is our the one we take our odds from for the show. And um, I'm going to hunt him down there, or maybe on Betfair if I try to get a long, slightly longer price on him. Well, it's going to be an interesting one. It's a just for people who are interested in in things like this. It's it. There's two types of greens that are going to be played this week. There's kind of the bent grass greens, and then the the other surface. Um, Ten of the greens are one, eight of the greens are the other. Ten yeah. greens are still Poa Anua, and uh, the other eight greens are bent cross. Uh, they damaged to eight of those greens two winters ago, so they're, they're slowly changing all the greens on the course, but they haven't got around to doing all 18 yet. So, so. Uh, And the rough will be cut to three inches on Wednesday and not cut for the rest of the week, and the fairways are amongst the toughest on tour to hit. So if you're looking for definite accuracy off the tee, especially if you're getting looking at three inches of rough. Yeah. And uh, putting's going to, as always... You know, it's going to be the winner who puts the best, probably, that uh, that, that wins it. Yeah, it'd be nice to get back to the kind of regular evening schedule of watching a bit of golf. Yeah, kind of sports, yeah so. no, it's, um, and, you know, I suppose we're on the countdown now to the last major. Um, we quickly have those three majors. I mean, it's amazing how once you get to the summer, the majors just go bang, bang, bang. And then you're like, oh, my God, the majors are over for another year. We've got to wait till, got to wait till the Masters, all the, you know, all the way to this. Yeah, well, End of spring next year. I suppose you, we now have the likes of the uh, the likes of the WGCs, the, the WGCs, and the yeah. FedEx Cup. Nearly is like four majors in the course of you know four weeks, five that's, weeks. Let's so. not fast forward too much, or else we'll be in the middle of December with about four hours of daylight in which to play golf. Well, that's it. But yeah. look, sure, that's that's the way the seasons go. Uh, and that that brings us to the end of our Open 144th uh, Open Championship review. Congratulations to Zach Johnson. Uh, congratulations to Barry for uh, you know all those twos at the weekend. Thank you for you know stealing some of my twos. And no problem. With your hole in one. Congratulations for your hole in one. Thank you very Lifetime much. Lifetime achievement. You can never retire from golf if you choose. Well, I have a few more things I want to achieve. I want to just thank people who were very kind to uh, who sent very you know nice wishes to me and congratulations to me on Twitter and on Facebook and various other things over the last couple of weeks and. Um, I have retweeted and done whatever I was required to do. So thank you very much for that. It's it, it's lovely to know that people out there actually do listen and actually are interested in our games as much as we're interested in yours. So look, if, if you would like to get in contact with us, if you want to talk about the show, if you want us to improve anything or talk about anything, at Podcast GTS. Um, oh, our- speaking of improvements, I must apologise for the sound issues uh, for myself and Will last week. I set up everything according to my sound settings for Skype interviews, correct, except I didn't tell the uh, the software and the computer which microphone to take our feed from, and it didn't take it from our proper nice Zoom recording microphone. It took our feed in through my laptop microphone, so we sounded a little bit poor. But Steve, the most important person on the show last week, actually came through crystal clear. So I was going to say, nobody really cared about nobody, your last week, which no, is because always all would have heard me banging on about Stenson, who let me down again yeah well that's true yeah. uh, as he always does he's like a, a I won't say that because that's a Peter Alice comment <laughs> um, so look uh, Twitter handles at podcast GTS 
Our email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com, a good talk spoiled at gmail.com, and at podcast GTS. You'll find us on Facebook, you'll find us all over social media. We are also on iTunes. Please give us a rating and a review if you can. If you like the show, tell your friends. Congratulations to Zach Johnson. Good luck to everybody. Enjoy your golf over the weekend. We'll certainly enjoy ours, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.